0: but I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary. I'm so glad you're here. And we are wrapping up our three-week series on meltdowns today. So in case you missed the last two episodes, two weeks ago, we talked about four myths about meltdowns. We talked about why these are myths and the truth behind them, because these are such important ideas for us to unlearn so that we can really show up for our kids and for ourselves in these tough parenting moments. And I do. I think meltdowns are some of the most challenging parenting moments we face And then last week, we unpacked three common pieces of bad advice that we get when it comes to dealing with meltdowns. I talk about why those things are not helpful and what we can do instead. And then today, I am going to talk about the after-school meltdown. This time of year, so many of you are sending your child back to school. Maybe you have already or you're about to. We've just sent our kids back, and I know I'm just living through it again, that These early days of school with a new school year can be so challenging for our kids, and they can lead to meltdowns. So today we're going to talk about why the after-school meltdown happens, what's really going on for our kids in these moments, and how we can help smooth the transition from school to home so that that transition feels a little better for everyone involved. So hopefully this episode is going to be really helpful if you are sending your child back to school soon, or maybe if you already have. And two weeks ago, I also announced that I am hosting a live virtual workshop on managing meltdowns. I am so excited about this workshop. I just wanted to point out two weeks ago when I announced this workshop, I announced my original date. It was originally going to take place on Saturday, August 27th at 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And since the time of that recording, I've had to change the date. So the official date for this workshop is going to be Monday, August 29th at 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. I've gotten questions from some of you asking, you know, I can't attend live because I'm in a different time zone or because I don't have childcare or because I'm working, which by the way, if you don't have childcare, that is no big deal. If you feel like you can listen and not be too distracted, it won't, everyone's gonna be on mute while I'm presenting. So I'm not worried about that, but also I totally get not being able to fully be present. So if you don't have childcare, if you are in another time zone, if you, for any reason, can't attend live, you will have access to a replay. And I also shared that I am going to leave space for a Q and a session at the end of this workshop. And I am really excited about being able to do that because I know a lot of you have questions. If you can't attend live and you want to submit questions, you can absolutely do that. You can go and email me at dr. Hillary at raised So that's D R H I L A R Y. And I will be sure to answer both the questions that are asked in real time and the questions that are submitted to me through emails. So don't worry about that. This workshop is going to cover all things meltdowns. We're going to talk about why meltdowns happen. What's going on for our kids in these moments? What's going on for us in these moments, right? Why do we sometimes lose it right alongside our kids? And how can we help ourselves stay grounded and calm? We're going to talk about all of that and we're going to talk about public meltdowns. We're going to talk about some things we typically do during meltdowns that might not be so helpful, that we think are helpful, that might actually make things worse or make things worse for some kids. So we're going to talk about all of that, and we're going to answer your questions. I cannot wait to see some of you there. And I've mentioned this before, but I do think these tickets are going to go quickly because I want to keep this small enough so that if you have questions, you can ask them. So again, if you want to grab a spot, I would do that soon. You can go to raisedresilient.com forward slash learn to grab your spot. Tickets are $47. And again, you will get access to the replay. So I am super excited and I hope to see some of you there. Okay. So let's jump in to the after school meltdown. So, the first thing to understand about the after school meltdown is that it is so, so normal. It is something that most kids are going to experience at some point. So, if your child is currently coming home and falling apart, just know that you're not alone. There's nothing wrong with you, nothing wrong with your kid. This is such a normal and actually a really healthy phenomenon. And I'm gonna get into why, but just know that this is really, really common, okay? So let's talk about why our kids melt down. Well, first of all, especially at the beginning of the school year, your child is dealing with tons of new and unfamiliar things, right? A new teacher, new classroom, new friends, maybe even a new school, new routines, new expectations, All of that is new, and so that's why we do tend to see this a little more towards the beginning of the school year, but it really can happen at any time, and I'm going to talk about why. So it's not just that, but it's also the fact that your child is sitting at a desk holding in impulses that if they were at home, they would probably act on, right? So they are managing the impulse to shout out of turn, and instead they're raising their hand. They're managing the impulse to hit a peer when they're angry, like they might with their sibling if they were at home. And instead, they're holding that in and they're doing something that's more appropriate most of the time. Now, that's not true for all kids, but I tend to worry more when I hear that kids are falling apart at school and holding it together at home. I'm going to talk about why that is. But truly, this is such a healthy thing. We want our kids to go and hold it together at school and then fall apart with us because, and here's the perspective shift, this is not something negative that's happening to you. This is happening because you are your child's safe haven. They can finally let this out. All of the stress, all of the feelings, all of the impulses they've been regulating, they can Hold it in all day and let it go when they see you, they're safe person. So if you are thinking it's so frustrating because my child goes to school and the teacher says she does everything so nicely. She listens and she does her work and then she comes home and she's awful to me, right? Or he goes to school and does everything they ask, but then comes home and hits his brother as soon as he gets off the bus, right? What gives? Well, this is happening because you are your child's safe haven. This is a good thing. This is what you want to see as hard as it is. And it is, it's really frustrating. I remember when my oldest was in preschool, my husband would take him to school and then I would pick up. And I remember feeling like I definitely got the short end of that stick because he was always in a good mood on the way to school. And then I would pick him up and it was just grump city, complete meltdown some days, other days he was just not fun to be around. And it was really challenging But here's the thing, when you understand that this is normal and that it's not about you, it's not personal, it's not happening to you, this is just an offloading of stress, right? We can use Janet Lansbury's tea kettle analogy. The tea kettle just needed to let off some steam. Or I have the analogy of a water pitcher that at some point it gets so full with feelings and impulses that they've managed and stressors that have built up that water just needs to come out. And that's the meltdown, right? And usually this after-school meltdown happens over something so silly. First of all, your child just might be in a bad mood when you pick them up from school. That's one way that this can manifest. But your child might also fall apart over something seemingly tiny, right? You give them the snack that they actually asked for, but suddenly they don't want it. Or their sibling looks at them the wrong way and they're suddenly falling apart. Remember, That thing that you see is just the straw that breaks the camel's back. It is not the actual problem. The problem is that your child has done so much work regulating all of this all day that they have to let it go when they see you, okay? So that's what's happening. And you can think about yourself. I think a lot of times when we can think about ourselves in these situations, we can have more empathy for our kids, right? So think about if you go to work and you're having to do new tasks that feel really stressful because you're not entirely sure how to do them, but you're going to try to make it work because you want to impress your boss, right? Or you're trying to talk to a colleague and you wouldn't say the same things that you might say at home to your partner. And so you're having to really think about, okay, how do I want to say this? So this comes across okay. This is the same kind of stress that our kids are under all day at school, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, although we could have a whole other conversation around developmentally appropriate educational settings. That's a discussion for another time. But truly, this is just par for the course when you send your child into a classroom and expect them to sit and learn and do work all day, even if they have recess, even if they have gym or specials. This is still going to happen. And just like you might come home from work sometimes and just feel done and just not be in a good mood and just maybe snap at your partner over something small because you have had this stress that has built up all day. This is the same thing that happens for our kids. So understand that actually it's a compliment that they are falling apart with you because they feel safe enough to do that. And I think that's a really important perspective shift. And speaking of perspective shifts, the way we see our kids in these really challenging moments really is everything. Take these after-school meltdowns, for example. If we see these meltdowns as a problem that mean there's something wrong with our kid or something wrong with our parenting, we are going to spin into that parenting rabbit hole. And nothing good comes from us spinning in that rabbit hole of unhelpful narratives. So if you are feeling overwhelmed in these moments, if you are feeling frustrated constantly with your child, you need my free guide, six mindset shifts to ditch the overwhelm and parent in a way that feels good. You can get your copy totally free at raisedresilient.com forward slash mindset. Okay. So now that we've shifted our perspective and we see that the after-school meltdown is normal and healthy and that it's not a problem to be fixed. Now, let's talk about some tips for actually managing these meltdowns. My first tip, directly in line with the fact that this is normal and that perspective shift we just talked about, is to expect the after school meltdown. I know that sounds so simple, but it really is a game changer when you actually just expect this to happen. That's what I started doing when I was picking my son up from preschool. So instead of getting frustrated, instead of feeling like, why can't this be different? Why isn't he glad to see me? Why can't we just for once have a nice, calm car ride home? I started to plan for it. I started to expect it. And that made it easier in and of itself. So toward this end, right, if you're planning for this after-school meltdown, if you're expecting it, if you're kind of knowing that this is probably going to happen, you can plan accordingly. Meaning, you can try to take care of yourself before you go to pick up your child. Now, I know this is not possible every day or for every person, but to the extent that you can, try to take care of your own needs before you show up for your child. So build in some movement, have a snack, knock a few things off of your to do list so that you are truly available for your child versus distracted. That can be such a game changer just to show up whole, right? Versus showing up frazzled and frustrated, plan accordingly so that you can get to pick up on time, right? So that you're not heading out of the house on two wheels. These things really can make a difference because again, we are meant to be the regulated, calm presence for our child. And again, we're not going to do this perfectly. We won't do any of this perfectly, but where we can, Let's try to show up in these moments calm and regulated and just expecting whatever comes, not hoping that it's going to go a certain way. This can be particularly important on the first day of school where we want this wonderful reunion and we want to hear all of these things about our child's day And in actuality, our child might not be ready for that. Now, you might have already gone through the first day of school with your child, and that's totally okay. But just recognize that you may have expectations in these moments that aren't helpful for your child, right? You might be expecting a certain kind of conversation. You might be expecting a certain kind of reunion or a certain kind of attitude, kind of like I was when I was doing preschool pickup. I was like, I wish he was just happy to see me. Well, he was, but he was offloading stress in that moment. He was taking care of his own emotional needs in the only way he knew how. And again, this isn't a conscious or purposeful thing, but this is just what happens when kids are reunited with their safe havens. So that's my first tip. Just expect that this is going to happen. My second tip is to make sure that you're meeting your child's immediate needs. So often our kids come home from school and they are tired, they are stressed, they are hungry. They haven't been outside all day. They've been sitting all day and they need to move. Maybe they've been around peers all day and they need a little bit of downtime or alone time. So toward that end, and you know your child best, right? So you're gonna wanna make sure that you're catering to your child's needs. But these are just some ideas of things that might be going on in addition to, All of the things I talked about a few minutes ago, where they're holding it together, where they are just managing all of these impulses. But in addition to that, they might be hungry. So if you can have a snack waiting, sometimes that can be a game changer. I know for my kids, that is huge. And where you can, try to make this a balanced snack, right? With some protein, with some carbohydrates, often when our kids are really hungry after school, they're going to go straight for the carbohydrates for chips or goldfish. And that's totally fine. But see if you can also build in some protein, right? Some cheese, some peanut butter, some yogurt, because that is what's going to keep your child's blood sugar balanced. And that is going to help them feel more regulated, right? Nobody feels regulated when they have a super low blood sugar moment, right? You can also build in movement and fresh air, I remember when my oldest came home from his first day of kindergarten, he was like, that was amazing. And also, we sat a lot today, and I was very impressed that he even noticed that. But it was really jarring for me to hear that. Like, I knew he was going to go and be sitting a lot more than he was used to, but to hear that articulated from my then five-year-old was like, whoa. So make sure that you're building in some movement and fresh air. So after the snack, see if you can get your child outside, take a walk together, or if you have the ability, now I know not everybody does, but if you can walk to pick your child up from school, that is huge. I do that when I can. We live close enough to the school. We actually walk to school every morning, but where I can, I also walk and pick them up. And just having that time together to move our bodies, to be in the fresh air, it makes the transition so much easier. Now, I realize that not everybody can do that but maybe you can pick your child up and take a walk, or maybe your child needs to eat first, and that's totally fine, but you can build in a walk or some outside time after that. Some kids just need downtime. They need a few minutes with no stimulation. Maybe they need to play alone in their room. And here's the thing. Your child is likely to be unaware that this is what they need, right? Children need to really have some support in connecting these dots. So now my oldest can tell me at almost eight that, hey, I need a snack, right? But when he was five, six, seven, he really couldn't do that. This is something that we have worked on, right? Him connecting the dots with the feeling in his body and the outcome i.e., a snack that feels good, that helps him feel better, right? So if you ask your child if they're hungry, they might tell you no, especially if they're in the middle of a meltdown. So have the snack ready and just offer it versus saying, hey, do you want a snack? What do you want to eat? Your child might not be able to do that, right? Your child might just need you to hand them a snack and say, hey, I made you a snack. And then In terms of movement and downtime, your child is very unlikely to be able to tell you, hey, you know what? I'm an introvert, and so I really need a little bit of time to just stare at a wall, right? Your child might not be aware of that, and so you and your child are going to have to sort of play around with this together, but you can sort of experiment. Does your child do best when they get outside and move right away? I know for my child, he does best when we walk home from school. Or does your child do best when your child has a little bit of alone time? And and if that's the case, you may need to really shepherd your child to their room, right? If you say, hey, do you want to go to your room and play? Your child might be like, no, right? And so if you want to try that, you may have to really support your child in getting there. And once they get there, you're going to have the data that you need to see if this is helpful or not, right? Meaning that once your child gets to their room, if they relax into that and they start to play quietly, you know, that was a good call right? Some kids, and I hesitate to even recommend this, but I am going to throw it out there because I know that for some kids, it's really regulating. Some kids might do really well with a scheduled small amount. I do not mean a long stretch and it needs to be scheduled and it needs to have a definitive beginning and end, but some kids might do well with a little bit of screen time, Right after school. And the reason for that is because that is downtime, right? They've had so much sensory input being at school all day that they can use a little bit of sensory downtime, which is really what screen time is. So if you're going to do that, plan for one show. I'm talking 15 or 20 minutes, nothing long. And make sure that your child knows that this is what's going to happen. And plan for there to be some feelings about turning off the screen. And again, You know your child best and you have to feel this out, but really see if you can play with these things and your child might need different things on different days too, by the way, but just see what helps your particular child stay regulated. Okay. So my next tip, and I kind of touched on this a few minutes ago, but I really want to dive into more detail here is to not overwhelm your child with tons of questions as soon as you see them. So that's not to say that you can't ask your child about their day, but the takeaway here is to really read the room and follow your child's lead here. Okay. So if your child runs off the bus and says, mommy, and then starts telling you all the things about their day, lean into that for sure. But if your child gets off the bus or gets into the car at carpool and is really quiet and kind of withdrawn, you can lean into that too. That doesn't mean that you can't ask your child about their day, but maybe bedtime or dinner time is a better time to do that. And when you do ask your child about their day, try not to just say, how was your day? That's not a bad question. You're not wrong if you ask it. But sometimes it's hard for kids to really take a holistic assessment of their day and answer that question. It can be easier to answer questions like, Who did you play with at recess today? Tell me something you learned. What's one thing that surprised you today? Who's one friend who was kind to you today? Right? Again, you can still ask your child how their day was, but don't be surprised if you don't get the information you're hoping for from that question, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So feel free to ask, How was your day? I actually can ask my oldest that, and he'll give me lots of information. But part of that, I think, is because a lot of times we're walking while we're talking about that. And it's a little bit easier for him to just kind of dive in. But for some kids, that question can feel overwhelming and they can kind of clam up. So if that happens, that doesn't mean your child doesn't have things to tell you. It doesn't mean they don't want to talk about their day, but they just might do better with some more specific questions. And they also just might need a minute, right? Okay, my final tip And you've heard me say this so many times, but I think it bears repeating here. And that is just to allow space for your child to have the after-school meltdown, if that's what they need to do. Allow all feelings. Hold space for those feelings. Validate. And again, try to stay calm yourself. And just due to the nature of what this meltdown really is, which is just and offloading of all the stress that they've had to go through and hold in all day during school, your child might do better with fewer words from you. So you might start validating and say, I know it's so hard, I gave you this snack, but now you don't want it, nothing quite feels right. Your child might normally do fine with that, but in this moment that might make them more frustrated. And so you can just say, I'm here, I know this is hard. Your child might be grumpy towards you. That was what I dealt with when I was picking my son up from preschool. He was just grumpy to me, right? It's like I couldn't say the right thing. If that's what's happening, don't take it personally and remember that this is just your child having nothing left in their tank. And any unkindness from your child is just how the feelings and the stress is coming out of their body in that moment. And just remember that that. That will help so much. And you can even say to your child, I get it. Nothing feels right right now. Maybe it was hard to be at school all day. You might feel tired or just kind of over it right now. I get that. I'm here if you want to talk, right? So just depending on what your child is showing you, try to just allow space for that. It can be so hard when our kids are being unkind to us to feel regulated, it can be so hard to avoid these impulses we might have to punish, right? Especially if that's how we grew up, but just have the perspective, hold on to that perspective. You've got a good kid who had a long day and they are just having a tough time in this moment. And I think if you can remember that everything else will work itself out. So I hope this was helpful. Again, You can register for the Meltdowns Workshop at RaisedResilient.com forward slash learn. I hope to see some of you there. I am so excited and thank you for listening. I hope you have a great week. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.